Yo, Ryan Hartley here and welcome back to another Always Better Than Yesterday interview session. Today, my guest is David Prosper, founder of Shepherd Revolution and TEDx speaker. I came across David when I watched his wonderful, wonderful TEDx. I fell in love with the guy, his heart and the, the story that he shares. And it was an honor and privilege to connect with him a little bit deeper and, and ask him some of my curious questions in this podcast. I hope you really enjoy our conversation. I hope it leaves you curious to connect with David and learn a little bit more about his heart and his mission. Um, yeah, so please do enjoy. Please do soak up every element of this conversation and I hope that it helps you in some way. Much love. Yo, and welcome to the Always Better Yesterday interview sessions with me, Ryan Hartley. And today I have a, a wonderful guest who I've connected with after seeing his TEDx talk. I won't say too much, but I just want to say welcome, David Prosper. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's amazing to see. And our listeners won't be able to see, but you have the whitest smile I've ever seen. <laughs> Thank that you. Beautiful. That's a great compliment at 6 a.m. this morning. Honestly. First compliment I got. Beautiful, beautiful. So yeah, do me the honor and the privilege of just giving us a, a bit of a, an introduction to who you are and a little bit about your story. Okay. Well, my name is David Prosper again. And first and foremost, I'm a child of God. And who am I? I am love. I am joy. I am peace. I am uh, generosity. I am forgiveness. And how I came about to figuring out who I am as a person is because I've been on this journey where uh, I grew up in an abusive home uh, where my father um, would constantly beat my mother to the point where uh, she, she ran away and she sent my brother and I to live in Haiti just to save our lives. So being you know, in America at five or six years old and then being sent to a different country at seven years old and not knowing what's going on led me to a place of how can life become better? So I've been on this crusade of um, first and foremost, I came from fear. So if love is essentially the opposite of fear, how can I be a crusader of love? And Jesus talks about love all the time. So who am I? I am a love crusader. That's amazing. And I, and I imagine there's a whole story and a journey that's taken you from where you were to, to where you are now. And I just, I just love to know some of those key moments along the way, like what are some of those real pivotal moments you look back and think, yeah, that's really helped. I would say, I remember when I was about uh, 12, 12 years old, um, I had just met my father again. Because um, when I was young, he left, but when I was 12, that's when I met him and remembered the majority of the stuff that happened. And in that moment, it was an amazing time. We went to the Bahamas, you know, as a family. And I was like, man, this, this is going to be the dream. Uh, we're going to all get back together. And then a week later, my father ended up stabbing his wife, not my mother. Mm. And... Mm. Um, my life came crumbling down. And then shortly after, my mother was falsely accused and she went to, to jail for a night. And this happened all at the age of 12. And at that moment, I said, life has to be better than this. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't 
all that God has for me. And so I started reading the book of Proverbs and I started applying myself and started learning some self-development, listening to Tony Robbins, listening to Jim Rohn. I was like, okay, it has to be better. I can get us out of this, but I have to learn as much as I can so I can find a way out. That was the biggest catalyst for me at 12. And then what really shifted things for me um, when I was 26 is when my mother was passing and on her deathbed, on the hospice bed, she cried. And I was like, mom, what's wrong? And she's like, Dave, I didn't do all that I could. I was like, what do you mean? She was like, I had so much potential. I, I didn't do all that I could. And I was being strong for my mom and um, I was like, yo, mom, like you, 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 you did, you did a great job. You have three kids, three black kids who are not in jail. Congratulations, mom, you hit the lotto. <laughs> started laughing. And when I flew back home to Wisconsin, I was crying. Mm -hmm. So that became the catalyst for me. I never want the people around me to ever say, I didn't do enough. I didn't do all that I could because I want to be the catalyst to say, I did everything I could. And when mm -hmm. my time comes, now I'm ready to go. So that's the two major catalysts in my life that really shift a lot of things for me. Yeah, I appreciate you sharing that with us. And I think what you said in there was about, there's got to be more that life can get better. And within your TEDx talk, you said, when leaders get better, the world gets better or something to that effect. And I just love to know what that really means to you. I truly believe that leadership starts in the home mm -hmm. and we often look at the government and say, oh, we need better politicians or we need better state representatives or we need better teachers or we need better policemen. No, we need better leaders in the home because when the home gets better, then it starts trickling down to the police force, to education, to the government, to state representatives. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe leaders are the individuals who are taking initiative and when they get better through their initiative, there's this poem that I love is, um, when we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give others the permission to let their light shine. So mm. when leaders get better, they're letting their light shine and they're unconsciously allowing others to take initiative and let their own light shine. So it starts with us. Yeah, I love that. And, and I think you are a great example of someone that leads with um, courage, and, and I would say, you know, I, I read a lot of uh, Brene Brown and I'd say, you know, leading with vulnerability and, and actually takes a lot of strength to do that. And I just want to honor you for that because there's no bigger stage to do that than on the red circle. And, and actually, you know, your, your story that you, you shared on, on the red circle was, was very, very powerful and very moving. How did you, how did you develop that courage? It, it, it goes back to my mom. Um, laying on that bed and saying, I didn't do enough. And before she passed, we would have conversations. I'm getting a little emotional. Um, we would have conversations and she would always tell me, Dave, uh, she's the only one that I let call me Dave. Um, everybody else called me David. And she would say, David, you have such a mes message. You have such a gift. The world needs to see it. She was the first person to actually believe in me. And 
I would always doubt myself and say, mom, like, I don't speak like everybody else because English became my second language when I, after moving to Haiti. And she's like, no, Dave, no, Dave, you, you have a message. You have to share it with the world. Cause we would have the conversation that I have on the stage would be the conversation I would have with my mom behind on the, on the, on the telephone when we would have our one-on-ones. So what the world got to see is what we had a conversation about every single day. And she would always tell me and encourage me to do it. So me on that stage is a representation of her um, living her dreams, living her vision and honoring her because I knew if, Beautiful. if her parents let through love, where could, have my, where could my mom have been? And where could I have been even more? So um, that's the journey really of honoring the leaders before me that mm. saw the potential in me and said, I can do it. And the most beautiful thing is when I got off that stage, there was a young man who came up to me, he was crying. And I said, what's up? It was like, I've always looked for a role model and now you, you're that. And I started to cry and then we started to hug and, and I was like, how old are you? He was like, I'm 16. I was like, that's the age where I met Dr. Harrigan, who I talk about mm -hmm. in my speech, who really took me under his wing and developed mm -hmm. me. So just being, again, the leader of light and when our own light shine, we unconsciously give others the permission to do the same. So that was an opportunity for others to um, be the, see the change and embrace it and I pray and hope that it became a catalyst for somebody like somebody, all those leaders became a catalyst for me. I love that. What a great story. And I just think um, one of the things you talk about is um, stepping into what you're called to do. Um, and I just, I just wonder, how did you know, how did you know, how did you get confirmation of, of what you're called to do? It's a great question. It's purpose. Um, I would say in the Bible, uh, I'm, I'm a big believer that the Bible is basic instructions before leaving earth. And through that, the Holy Spirit directs us, confirms it through others, and just constantly reveals it to us over time. So at, I knew there was a seed of I'm going to be a public speaker and I'm, I'm going to be a leader in some capacity, but I didn't know what it was. And I truly believe if we are to find out our purpose, it first takes action and we have to go upon that journey and essentially do some self-discovery. What lights me up? What drains my energy? What is fulfilling and what is just work that I actually have to try? And I was telling my wife this, Yesterday, I met with a group and they were like, okay, we need vision, we need values, where are we going? And I took a menu and I took a, a, a pen and I drew it up for them right there. And that lights me up. So I know developing others is mm -hmm. what feeds my spirit. And I know more of the administrative stuff, like Excel, typing, that drains oh, me. Yeah. <laughs> so knowing that, okay, I'm created to develop others. Yeah. What vehicle do I use now? Okay, I can use the vehicle of speaking. I can use the vehicle of coaching. So it's, it's no, I truly believe God gives us vision 
of, of what we're supposed to do. And he gives us uh, our, our gifting. And then we get to choose which vehicles that we use our gifting to fulfill that vision. Mm. Yeah, that's powerful. Let's, um, let's talk a little bit about your, your red dot experience then. What was it like? How, how did you prepare for it? You know, and, and, and how did you focus on, how did you know the one message that one great idea worth spreading? <laughs> so there were me on that stage. There were, about 10 to 15 people who touched my speech mm-hmm. and revise, 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 revision after revision. Um, but when, when I first did the audition, I was talking to my wife and I'm like, what's my message? She's like, what you talk about every single day? You talk about love, mm-hmm. you talk about leadership. And I was like, okay, but how can I form it in a way that is worth sharing? And then we did some brainstorming and I realized, okay, love is my message. How can I go around it? So the, the part where I'm super poetic and I'm talking about, it's like a seed mm-hmm. when you nurture it. Um, and when it's removed from the soil, it dies. And the source of all great leadership is love. Um, initially, TEDx told me that I can't bring in the Bible because that entire part was First Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is gentle, it's not so, so I made a poem out of it. But leading up to it, it was exciting. Then the day before Friday, we had our rehearsal. And whew, I <laughs> saw the speakers get on that stage. And I remember as a little kid watching all those great speakers talk about an idea, the idea that really shaped who I am because I didn't have enough money to go to these conferences, but I could watch TEDx online. And the speakers before me that were on the stage, we were rehearsing and they were amazing. I was like, man. So I started getting self-conscious and I was mm-hmm. like, the, the self-worth kicked in. It was like, and do I belong on the stage? And they got off the stage and they called my name and I walked up. I remember the first three lines I had a complete blank, forgot the rest of my speech, remember the last three lines, looked at my wife, my wife was like, and I walked off stage and I was like, tomorrow is going to be horrendous because wow. <laughs> I was like, then I told the, 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 the curator, can I bring my paper up there? He's like, you can do whatever you want. Um, but there was a lot of self-worth that mm. I believe that I belonged up there among all these great speakers at that moment and the times before me. So that was a journey leading up to it. I love that. And just the independence, like just to do your spoken word, do, you know, you sang as well and it was unique. It was, it's, you know, that takes courage. That takes, I think, true authenticity for you to just be who you are. And um, is that something you've worked on in your development? Yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown as well, um, being authentic. And I think about oftentimes, because when we as speakers, you know, have an opportunity to speak on a platform, it's often we look at ourselves like we're the main event and that we have something great to share. And people should listen to us because we're on the stage and we have the microphone. 
Yes, that's true in some capacity, but I truly believe in creating an experience for the listener, uh, for those who are there, um, because I'm a huge fan of Disney and Disney mm -hmm. people go there because of the experience is, is magical. It's amazing. It's just, it, it's breathtaking. You, you become so present when we're, when we're there and as a speaker, and I thought about it, like, how can I create something that gives them an experience that they've never had here before? And I was like, okay, I have gifting in singing. Um, my mother would always sing and she was a choir director. I was like, okay, I can honor her there. And I was like, I really love poetry, especially uh, spoken word. All right, I can make it poetic because we, we remember music lyrics. So mm -hmm. if I can make my speech come across as music, it penetrates the heart, not just the mind. And it leaves people with an experience because love is a verb and verb takes action and actions create experience. So how can I put an idea into an experience that people feel? So that's, that was a thought process going into the writing of it. You just said love is a verb and it's reminded me of one of my favorite books I've ever listened to, which was Love Doves by Bob Goff. Um, I don't know if you've, if you've read it, but in that he talks about um, some stories around the Bible and Jesus being the ultimate servant leader. And it's, it's a, a concept that really has resonated with me. And I just love to know your take on what a servant leader is in terms of Jesus's style of leadership and, and how, because I know that you work with leadership now in your business, and I'd love to know how that kind of shows up in, in what you do and how you help others. Leadership or servant leadership is all about serving others, period. Um, so as, as I teach the youth, it's, it's not self, self being selfless, it's, it's practicing selflessness. And being selfless is not thinking less about myself is thinking about myself less and others more. So if, and my wife can be, my wife is the greatest example of this. And uh, she holds me accountable as well as my two sons. They hold me accountable constantly because we're naturally selfish people. And when I'm going downstairs and I'm making breakfast, my brain is thinking I'm hungry. I need to make something to eat. And my wife is like, how can you practice being selfless? Are you thinking of our needs as well? Um, father, husband. And I'm like, all right, guys, what do you guys want? What do you guys want? And then we create a menu. So it starts at the home, but it's not thinking only of myself and saying, okay, I'm hungry. What about my family? Now, when we take it into the business world, okay, now I'm able to get promoted and this is how I was promoted. Okay, how can I serve my team so that they're living their best life and then they're mm -hmm. fulfilling all of their needs and duties and things like that. So it's helping others become the best version of themselves. And servant, leader, <clears throat> and servant leadership, it's, it doesn't matter if the person we're serving becomes bigger than us. And when, when that shifts for us mentally, then we can start serving from a place of abundance. Because I think a lot of times in corporate and business and even in the community, we're always looking to elevate ourselves. And the thing about it, if, if we think about how Jesus led, Jesus always elevated the father 
and the father always elevated Jesus. And it talks about it in the good book of Proverbs, honor, I mean, humility comes before honor. So when we serve others to a place of honor, then it reciprocates itself and then others start to honor us. So the very thing that we want, if we serve others, we'll get. But we have this backwards, broken, deceptive system that thinks if I get ahead, then it's all about me. And that's the way I get honored. But Jesus talks about it very different. If you want to be the greatest of all, you have to be the, the servant of all. So that's my belief in system surrounding servant leadership. Love that. I am um, last week for Valentine's Day. I shared a a bit of a video to help people uh, lead with love, and your TEDx talk inspired a a a part of what I shared, and it was about this notion that loved people love people, um, because you you talk about hate uh, hurt people hurt people, and, and actually how about we flip that, and what about if loved people love people, and I think actually being a servant leader, taking that decision, the opportunity to go and love people the trickle effect that that leader will have and that others will then just show up with a little more love in their presence. It's um, yeah, it was something that you really inspired in me. So thank you for that. You're no, thank you. It's, it's, it's not about me. It's it, because I truly believe inspiration is, is the, the, the word inspiration means to breathe life. Um, and I was able to breathe life upon what you're doing and your mission, and that fueled your tank. So now you become more effective, more loving, more uh, insightful, more dedicated. And now as a result of that, the people around you become blessed, your wife, your kids, um, and your community. So you are like the blessing, and I'm grateful to be in association with that. So thank you. Oh, this is awesome. This is awesome. Well, can we talk all day long? <laughs> Let's keep this going all day long. Um, talk to me about your business. Talk to me about what's it called and, and what do you, what do you uh, use it as a vehicle to help in the world? So through this journey of, of self-discovery and what does God want for my life, um, I thought I was you know, supposed to just coach and speak and do that full time. And then I start reading you know, the gospels and I read about um, the shepherd and how Jesus was a shepherd. And I looked up the definition of shepherd and it was, it means to lead, to guide, to nurture, to protect. And I was like, okay. And then I was like, how did Jesus lead? He led through a revolution, but it wasn't, uh, an overthrow of government because he told his disciples, yo, go pay the taxes, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, give to God what belongs to God. We're not overthrowing the government. He led the revolution through love. And if you see the word revolution, love is spelled backwards. So our organization is called Shepherd Revolution Leadership Academy. And uh, we're, we're building a K through 12 school. And with the foundation of faith and Jesus and love, because it's the absence of love that leads us to these places of brokenness, neglect, rejection, abuse, uh, suppression. But when we have an atmosphere of love, like I talk about in the speech, love is the emotional oxygen. So now a lot of students are being suffocated. And when we're suffocating, what do we do? We, we run out, we try to grab air forcefully. And 
So this summer, 2020, we're, we're actually in the talks of, not talks, but we're in a movement of creating a youth leadership summer camp. And, and in that summer camp, we're going to talk about our wounds. We're going to talk about identity. We're going to talk about all of the facilitating conversation, conflict resolution, because that will be the pilot program to developing our K through 12 school. And our future goal is to create a university, a Shepherd Revolution University, where now we can develop our youth K all the way through college so that they are healthy leaders. And when they get out into the world, they are effective because our true vision as a team is that we eradicate unhealthy leadership and we make healthy leadership a new norm. So it starts with our camp and then it follows with our K through 12. And then another vehicle is our university. And that's how we plan on accomplishing it through education and shifting leadership. I love that. Anything I can do to support you in your mission, my friend, then please just to say, and, and again, I, how can our listeners, how can our watchers, if they're finding us on YouTube, connect with you and, and find out more about your mission and, and what you're doing in the world? Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, you could definitely find me at shepherdrevolution.com. Again, shepherdrevolution.com. Uh, I also have a podcast called The Leadership Revolution, The Leadership Revolution. And my name is David Prosper. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Instagram. I am David Prosper. You can find me on LinkedIn. Or you can text my phone, uh, 414-552-9598. Um, all those, all roads lead to David. If you want to connect, I would love it. Um, but thank you so much for, for bringing me on here. I really appreciate that. Amazing. Thank you for taking the time. I just love to know my, my ethos is about all about helping people be always better than yesterday. I'm just curious to know what that phrase means to you. Always better than yesterday. Focus on the process, not the prog. Focus on the process, not the product. So mm. it's the journey of developing and if we can get better at one thing each day, if we can make a decision to advance us, I believe progress equals happiness. And if we're focused on the process and the progress, then we will always be better than yesterday. Love that. Love that. Um, thank you for taking the time out of your day. At the very early in the morning with your glorious white smile, Thank you for your heart and your insights that you shared. And I just love for you to leave us with a final thought from your good self. If we as leaders are to set ourselves apart, we must start by leading through love, which always comes from the heart. So go and lead through love. Mm, love that. Thank you, guys. Thank you. There we go. What an amazing conversation. I hope that you enjoyed that as much as I did. The thing that really resonates with me most is this sense that when leaders get better, the world gets better and that leadership starts in the home. I couldn't agree with David anymore. I really would love to know what resonates with you most. Please do let me know. Either share a social media post and tag me in, tag David in. 
or email me at ryanbhartley at gmail.com. I hope this interview has served you well. Hope it's inspired you in some way. And if you would like to share that with someone in your network, then I would be most honored and privileged. Until the next time, look after yourselves and I'll speak soon. Much love.